You know, if I had to choose between taking a risk on on like a really exciting idea that I had conviction around um, and not doing that and having to think about like what what if we would have done that? I mean, I would always choose the risk of you know losing it all. Dirty Lemon, a beverage brand founded by Zach Normandon, shredded the blueprint for winning in CPG. It broke every rule. High price point, no retail distribution. They even bought a technology company, a weather app of all things. But it's working. And at the end of 2018, the brand's parent company, Iris Nova, raised $15 million in a round led by Coca-Cola. So what is their blueprint? Zach was gracious enough to come talk about it. Thanks for joining Brand New Blueprint, a podcast by Smoketown. I'm your host, Ryan Pintado-Vertner. We're going to learn from visionaries who are building consumer brands in radically new ways. Brands with purpose, brands with new business models. And instead of waiting until their household names were zillions of dollars, we're going to hear from them right now. And who is Smoketown? Smoketown is a brand strategy and design consultancy that helps visionaries build bold, world-changing brands that are grounded in real consumer needs. In other words, we're nerds about this stuff. Here we go. Zach, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for taking out the time. Thanks for having me, Ryan. You are absolutely welcome. From the very first time I heard about Dirty Lemon, I was struck by the fact that you were doing everything differently, so I had to learn more. I really appreciate you taking the time to share your strategy with us. I'd actually like to start with the most basic of introductions. What is Iris Nova? So Iris Nova is the parent company of Dirty Lemon Beverages. We uh, just announced the the transition from uh, Dirty Lemon, which is the, the first brand under Iris Nova that we've been building over the last three years, um, to the parent company Iris Nova. Um, so we made that public in December with the Coca-Cola announcement. And um, underneath Iris Nova, um, we have right now two brands with one more on the way. So the first one being Dirty Lemon. The second is the drugstore, which is our retail concept. Um, the third brand is Trey Limone, which is a, um, uh, it's a non-alcoholic aperitif that we're launching uh, in Q1. And then um, we have an additional brand that we're launching later this year. Got it. So Iris Nova's first brand is Dirty Lemon, with more brands coming. For those unfamiliar with Dirty Lemon, it is a functional beverage that turned a lot of heads for a couple reasons. One, the packaging is beautiful, totally distinct, stands out from other beverages. Then also, the entire business was online, primarily Instagram. To buy the product, consumers texted their orders using this magical SMS-based text-to-order software platform. I'd actually like to talk about that. What was the inspiration for creating that SMS-based ordering technology? I mean, we, you know, so we knew if we were launching a beverage product direct to consumer that we would need both a very easy way for customers to order the product, but also a very, uh, you know, almost uh, more importantly, a better, an easy way for them to reorder. You know, I think that what we, what we, the reason why we landed on SMS is because 
there is, you know, text messaging is the most ubiquitous form of communication in the world. Everyone who has a phone text messages and, um, you know, at this point, almost everyone has a, you know, a cell phone. Um, you know, this idea of connecting, uh, you know, customers with, uh, you know, connecting with customers uh, over a conversational medium and being able to handle their requests for, you know, whether it be ordering more product or answering customer service questions or whatever it may be, handling that all over a conversational medium, you know, just made a lot of sense to us. But that being said, we didn't know if it was going to work. And, um, you know, thankfully, uh, and, uh, you know, thankfully it did. And, and now it's become, um, you know, this incredible platform that we are using to, to launch additional brands and new products and, um, and most importantly, connect with our customers in a, in a really genuine way. Okay, so the text-to-order platform started out as a strategy choice. You knew that if you were going to build a successful direct-to-consumer business, you needed an easy way for consumers to order and then reorder the product. Then the technology option that wound up winning was SMS. Correct. I mean, we evaluated you know several different options. So we you know we looked at potentially building an app. We looked at you know having it be a subscription exclusively. We looked at, you know, it's just a standard e-com uh, shopping cart. Um, but none of those options really gave us, um, you know, the ability to, to connect with uh, customers on the level that we wanted to. For listeners who are not familiar with using SMS technology to order products, can you just explain how the process works? For every customer on their first order, they're going to enter, you know, their billing information, their shipping information, and their credit card. Um, you know, the same exact way you would on any other e-com website. Um, but through that process, uh, you actually verify your phone number as well. And the phone number verification links your phone number to your, your mobile phone number to a customer profile that's created. So once the information is entered, you confirm your first order via text message. And then any subsequent, subsequent orders beyond that point are all processed. Uh, via SMS. So you just send us a text message and uh, we're able to, uh, you know, look up your information and then process your order. And we have 24-7 live customer service to support, um, to support the order volume for our customers nationwide. I have used the platform and it is weirdly intuitive. It feels very much like there's a human being on the other end, but is there ever a human being on the other end or is the whole thing a bot? Uh, we do have a bot on the front end of the platform, and the bot handles about half of the incoming requests from customers. Um, but for every uh, every conversation that has um, a detail that falls outside of the the logic of the bot, um, the conversation gets pushed to live customer service. So it's a combination of a bot and live customer service, and we're constantly working to uh, you know improve the quality of of the bot so that. Um, so that, you know, basically, you know, not so that we can remove, uh, you know, customers or uh, customer service reps rather entirely from the equation, but we want to, you know, get to a place where we can um, just enable a frictionless experience. And I think if we can do that um, through conversational logic and through a smart um, response system that, that knows exactly, you know, can, can, computers can always answer questions faster than, than humans can. Um, but we also want it to be a dialogue. You know, the, you know, customers should be able to ask any questions they want and be able to, um, you know, to get the answers that they want quickly. 
Um, and, you know, this is something that a lot of large companies are trying to solve right now. You have Apple, Google, and Amazon that are all investing heavily in um, trying to figure out voice, you know, where, um, you know, in a much smaller way, but we're, uh, we're doing the same thing with text. You know, we think that you know, text messaging is um, is really the gateway to connecting with consumers because um, people don't talk on their phones as much anymore. People love, um, you know, texting with friends. And, um, you know, I even think that social media is going to move um, away from platforms and probably, you know, into, you know, group texts. And I think that the, you know, the platform is already being built for that right now. So that's a place that we want to be playing. And um, yeah, and it's, uh, it, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's definitely not the the most uh, uh, you know simple way of of um, you know setting up a new company. It was it, it took time and um, you know a lot of investment to get the platform to where it is now. But you know we couldn't be excited about the future of of having a variety of beverage brands and being able to really serve our customers in a um, you know just a more elevated way. You went so far as to purchase a technology company that had some proprietary software associated with this conversational SMS-based logic. The company was called Poncho. I frankly had never heard of it until I heard about you guys, but when I looked into it, I was like, it's a weather app? A brilliant, oddly adorable app, but a weather app. Can can you tell us more about Poncho and why you decided to buy it? So Poncho was a, a conversational weather bot. Um, you know, they uh, built out the framework for communication at scale across a variety of platforms. Um, and really, it was um, you know it wasn't necessarily a model for us, but when we saw what they had built, uh, you know, it was something that we knew we could immediately apply to the platform that we were building. Um, so that was really the that was the thought process in in you know kind of going into uh, you know the conversation about purchasing the company and then um, you know very quickly after that we saw the synergy between the two organizations and um, we decided to to move forward with the transaction and um, yeah and uh, you know this is something I'd like to do more of I think that there are a lot of companies that are um, you know focused on a very particular uh, you know, need for consumers and, um, whether that be weather or, you know, there's a lot of uh, startups that are trying to solve problems. And I think when you apply that problem solving to, um, you know, our vision to really challenge the beverage industry and beverage distribution, and you look at the, the scale of the beverage industry, it's almost a $2 trillion, uh, industry globally, the non-alcoholic beverage space. And, um, I mean, there's just an incredible opportunity to, uh, you know, to really reinvent the way that consumers, uh, you know, not only order beverages, but receive them. And, um, you know, you know, and this is, this was uh, not to jump ahead, but this is a big reason why we wanted to partner with Coca-Cola um, because the model that they've built globally um, with the Coca-Cola company and all their brands, I mean, it's really um, something that we aspire to do, um, you know, direct consumer without using uh, trucks, uh, and distributors and brokers and retailers, but you know we want to do exactly what they've done uh, with a uh, you know with a, you know a direct consumer offering. Um, we want to be able to offer faster access to new products for our customers. 
When I think of Coca-Cola, I think of a house of brands. They obviously have their own flagship brand. They've also launched or acquired a whole host of other brands. That's the way that I think of their business. With Iris Nova, are you building a house of brands and only those brands would have access to this proprietary platform? Or is the vision more broad with you becoming a logistics or direct-to-consumer platform, not just for your own brands or for Coca-Cola's brands, but also for any other company's brands? So we have no intention of licensing the technology, but what we are doing as part of this, uh, this round of funding is allocating um, a small pool of capital to invest in early stage beverage brands. And one of the value adds that we can offer those brands is the ability to sell their products through the platform. Um, so that's going to happen, you know, through minority stakes, not, um, or, or potentially acquisitions. I mean, obviously we're, we would evaluate everything on a case by case basis. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's the intention. I mean, we, we, uh, you know, and to answer the, the first part of the question, you know, we, we are, you know, at, at our core, we are in operational, I mean, this is very operations heavy, you know, what we're doing on the brand side with all the brands, Dirty Lemon included is, you know, that's, um, we're creating demand for the products, but, you know, the, the back end, which is what makes the products, um, you know, get to the customers fast, taste great, look great. Um, you know, all of that happens behind the scenes without the customer ever knowing. And that's really the biggest, uh, uh, you know, driver, I think for repeat purchases, but also it's a, it's a value driver for the organization. Um, the fact that we've been able to connect, uh, you know, a framework of, uh, you know, distribution warehouses, um, you know, fulfillment centers, production facilities with, you know, uh, connect that with our technology platform is, uh, you know, something that no one's done before, um, not only in beverage, but just in consumer in general. So, um, while the technology could easily be applied to other categories, our focus is beverage, and um, you know, we think that there's a tremendous amount of opportunity in the beverage space to, um, you know, to really execute on our vision. There are, it seems to me, more than a couple parallels with another company that is breaking boundaries, which is Amazon. You're introducing an entirely new way to order and receive products, and that's going to feel foreign at first until you hit a tipping point. And then suddenly it's going to be something that everyone is comfortable with and perhaps does every day. That's similar to Amazon. Another similarity is that you're starting in a particular category. You're starting with beverages. Amazon started with books. But like Amazon, the longer-term vision could expand that capability to a number of other relevant categories. Am I going too far in drawing that type of analogy? No, like I said, I mean, you know, our focus right now is, is on beverages exclusively. Um, I think the long-term viability of the platform um, exists, you know, much farther outside of the beverage space, but we're not focused on that, um, that opportunity right now or in the near future. Um, but yeah, you're correct in saying that, um, you know, everything that we're building right now could be easily applied to, to other products. One thing I've learned over the last 10 years or so is, um, you know, to just really stay, uh, you know, not to spread ourselves too thin and to really stay focused. And we, um, you know, if we were selling all kinds of other products and we offered it as a SaaS platform, I mean, it's just too much distraction there. We want, you know, we've been really diligent about building, a, a, you know, a strong brand, doing it slow, playing more of a long game approach to, you know, to brand building and selling products. 
really making sure that every interaction with customers is is perfect or as close to perfect as possible. But yeah, I mean, listen, I think what Amazon's done, I mean, I know that they started as a bookseller and, you know, now I would say the infrastructure that they've that they've built obviously supports um, you, you know, household purchasing for the majority of Americans and uh, in many countries around the world. And I think that, you know, similar to Coca-Cola, you know, that's the that's the scale that we aspire to to build with Iris Nova. And, you know, I, I truly believe that we have the, you know, we have the tools, the technology and the partners to make that happen. Um, and yeah, it's really just ours to execute and, and uh, you know, to make it happen now. What you've built is disruptive and surprising in a lot of ways. And one of the things that really impressed me as I learned more about the company is just the boldness of the decision making. There's another decision that you made, which is probably as bold as the SMS decision. You've abandoned Instagram and Facebook advertising. That's bold because, frankly, Dirty Lemon had pretty much set the bar when it comes to Instagram advertising, and now you've walked away from it in order to create these retail outlets that you mentioned earlier called the drugstore. What does the drugstore tell us about Iris Nova's strategy? What does that retail concept represent for you guys strategically? So we were one of the first brands to advertise on Instagram and um, you know, for the greater part of two years, it was our main focus. You know, we were constantly trying to create new creative and, you know, better ads and engage with customers, you know, at a lower price. And, um, you know, as we, as our ad creative got better and our strategy got better with Facebook, um, you know, their, uh, the price just continued to rise. And, you know, what we saw is, you know, a lot of traditional retail brands start to advertise on, on Facebook and Instagram and, uh, or Instagram specifically. And, um, you know, these are large brands that have, you know, significantly larger advertising budgets than we do. And, you know, as that was happening, you know, as the marketplace began to become more crowded, um, you know, they're, uh, you know, it, it, it raised the prices for, for all the early uh, advertisers. And, um, I mean, this is happening right now. I mean, we've, it's been, uh, about two months now that, um, we've, we've stopped all prospecting on Instagram. We are running retargeting audiences. Um, so if you've, if you've, uh, you know, shopped for our products before or, or I'm sorry, if you've, if you've looked at our website, you know, we'll re, we'll target you with an ad. Um, but, you know, we're not going out there into the open market and just trying to, you know, attract anyone with, um, with advertising. Um, because it's inefficient and it's uh, very uh, ineffective as well. I think uh, you know the, the the entire platform was was built on this idea of of impulse purchasing, um, and I think consumers in general, not only in the beverage space, want multiple touch points with the brands um, that they end up purchasing. So, or the typical path to acquisition happens through multiple touch points. So, um, you know, for a beverage brand like ours, um, maybe they'll find out about us online, but I think typically people need to try the product once they need to maybe hear about it from a friend. Um, anyways, the drugstore is our response to, um, you know, a very volatile advertising market, um, which, uh, is Facebook and Instagram. And, um, I'm sure anyone running, uh, digital marketing for a direct consumer brand would, would echo this sentiment. It's it, over the last couple of years, it's become very challenging. Um, so our response to that is to, um, shift our, our marketing strategy, um, 
not entirely to retail. I mean, we, we're doing a lot of other things, but you know, we think that consumers want to actually be connected one-on-one with brands and with experiences. Um, so, you know, we're creating the drugstore as a, as a place to build community for not only the Dirty Lemon brand, but also for Trey Lamone and other brands. And, um, yeah, and, uh, you know, it utilizes the, the same um, tech infrastructure that we've built for the direct consumer brands. Um, there's two portions of the drugstore. So the front part is a grab-and-go cooler where you can grab bottles of, uh, of any of our products and then you just send us a text message and tell us what you took. Then you can, you know, walk out and just go on with your day. And then the back part of the store is a full cocktail bar experience. Um, so we're going to be making homemade handcrafted versions of all of the dirty lemon beverages. And we're going to test out a lot of new beverages as well. And, um, and then we're using the data that we collect through that experience to actually make more informed decisions around new product development um, for each of our brands. So ideally, we want to validate a concept or a new ingredient profile or something like that at the drugstore. Um, and then we're going to, you know, we would use that data to say, okay, we're going to give this a shot to our national direct consumer audience. This is something historically that we've done a really good job of. We've, you know, been really forward thinking and, uh, you know, progressive about the way that we've connected with customers. And I think this is no, um, no exception to that. You know, the drugstore is going to be an incredible um, experience that, you know, our customers and people who maybe are, you know, haven't heard of Dirty Lemon at all or any of our brands, um, you know, they don't need to be, uh, they don't need to be um, customers of ours to enjoy the, the space. Um, but there's data that can be collected there that actually can, uh, you know, build value in the organization. And that's what we're most interested in. I totally get it. Yeah, I totally get it. You know, you guys have been willing to make aggressive pivots to do a 180 versus your original strategy or to do a 180 versus what your competitors are up to. That is clearly a skill. And I'm actually interested in taking a step back to learn a little bit more about you. How is it that you were so comfortable making big changes like that? What was your experience before this such that you just got so comfortable with that idea of making big bets, even if the big bet is counter to what people would expect? Yeah, so I guess starting from the beginning, I, I, um, I'm i from Massachusetts, and I was um, you know, really just kind of like a... a, a you know, I was, as a kid, I was, I was doing basically what I'm doing now, but I was doing it with Legos and, you know, I, I was, I always liked drawing. I, you know, I, I love sketching. My grandfather was an architect, so I used to see him uh, drawing at a, at a drawing table all the time. And I just liked building things. And, um, you know, I didn't really know at the time, you know, how I could translate that into a career and nor was it on my mind. Um, but, you know, after that, I went into the Coast Guard and I was in the U.S. Coast Guard for four years and, um, had some really interesting experiences there. And then, um, while I was in the Coast Guard, I got a degree in, um, in engineering and I was really interested in this idea of kind of taking that mindset of an engineer, which I had as a kid and, um, and applying it to, in a more tangible way to actually, um, you know, understand better how things are made, um, not to not to just take them apart, but actually build them from the ground up. And then that led to, uh, you know, to uh, a job as an industrial designer, which I did after I was in the Coast Guard. 
Um, and in that job, we were actually creating, you know, things on a computer and then we would make real versions of them. And then, um, you know, that experience led to my first food company, which was a kid's food company that I started in 2008. Um, and then I sold that in 2013 and then, um, and then started an agency where we were creating food products and then, you know, ended up set, uh, you know, starting dirty lemon in 2015. But, um, to answer your your question in, in really the most truthful way possible. Um, I remember when I first started when I first started Little Duck. Um, I remember the thrill that I got from maxing out a credit card and really taking this huge risk that I didn't I didn't have a clear strategy to be able to you know pay back that credit card and I didn't I didn't know what it was gonna I, you know I didn't know what the future uh, held uh, you know after you know post that decision. Um, and I was just, I became addicted to that. You know, it's like, it's almost like, uh, you know, I would probably liken it to like, you know, these, um, I don't know, like any type of thrill seeker, you know, you, you, these guys that jump off of buildings or do really dangerous stunts or, you know, whatever it may be like, you know, there's a thrill that comes from that where, you know, you can lose everything, but it's worth it because there's, um, you know, just the excitement of the process is, is in challenging yourself really to be better and to, you know, to, to learn new things and to come up with new ideas. I mean, that's, uh, it's just, I don't know any other way to live. That's like, that's what drives me is, is this idea that every morning we're, we're waking up and we're applying, uh, you know, we're executing on ideas that we just came up with. And that's just, I mean, it's the coolest thing to me. And maybe, um, you know, it's not exciting to other people, but to me personally, you know, that that's always been, um, you know, the thing that's driven me. And, you know, I think that that mentality for me um, naturally translates to the whole organization. So, you know, um, I'd like to think that or I know that we, you know, we have a culture here where if you have an idea, um, you know, if you present it with the cost to, you know, to make that idea happen and, um, you know, and a, a clear strategy and plan, I mean, we're going to like if it makes sense for the business, we're going to do it. I mean, we're not, we're not no people. I think, you know, I'm, I'm open to any, any ideas, no matter how crazy they are. And, um, and I think a lot of this, and, you know, I've learned this as I've, as I've been in business is a circumstance of, of the market. You know, there's no playbook, you know, to build, you know, a hundred million dollar company right now. Um, and I'm just using hundred, a hundred million as like an arbitrary number, but there's no playbook for that. Um, I think that that playbook has expired a while ago. Um, and, you know, so because the market is moving so fast and is so dynamic, you have to take risks like this to succeed. At my core, I, I, I like the, the, the thrill and the risk of, of kind of losing it all. And, um, you know, truly, if it, if it meant that, you know, I think that we, we're going to be extremely successful with Iris Nova, we already have been. You know, if I had to choose between taking a risk on, on like a really exciting idea that I had conviction around um, and not doing that and having to think about like, what, what if we would have done that? I mean, I would always choose the risk of, you know, losing it all for something that like had the incredible for, or had the, had the opportunity for um, to make it, make a difference or make an impact or change the way that things are done. Um, I just think that that's very exciting. So. And it sounds like you combine that thrill-seeking drive with a, a real underlying capacity for curiosity and empathy and intuition. So 
it, it actually totally makes sense that your grandfather was an architect because that's the combination of skill sets that architects bring. It's equal parts innovative and bold and, you know, high risk and scientific, right? It's like all those things come together to build a structure and trust that it's not going to fall down, but still believe that it's beautiful and still think that it solves a real problem for people. It's kind of like you've combined all of those things that your grandfather had, added a big dose of thrill-seeking, and here you are. You know, that I think it sounds like, you know, this was just a, a culmination of a lot of experiences that led to, to, you know, where we're at right now. Very cool. So you have this knack for making big surprising bets and using intuition to pivot, sometimes in big ways, as necessary. That is frankly not how big CPG companies like Coca-Cola typically make decisions. I worked in big companies like that for most of my career. I know for a fact that it is not how things typically operate. And yet it sounds like Coca-Cola anyway is willing to let you use the process that's been working so far, recognizing the secret sauce and kind of leaving it alone. Yeah, we have, uh, you know, the Coca-Cola team has been incredibly supportive of, of the vision and um, you know, there's no intention on their side to change what we're doing. I think um, as, you know, the natural global leader in, in beverages, which they are, um, I think that, you know, they're, they want to be a part of, you know, the most progressive, interesting new companies that are in the beverage space. And, um, you know, I would happily put us at the top of, of that list. I think that we're doing things in the beverage space that no one's tried before. Um, so I'm, I'm extremely thankful for their support. And, um, you know, thankful that, you know, this gives us um, a really great mentor as, a, as an organization to be able to kind of um, guide us through the growth of, you know, over the next, uh, you know, the next three to five years. And um, yeah, but I'm not, you know, I think that, you know, the, the, the full manifestation of that partnership is really yet to be seen. I think, you know, obviously building the relationship is the first thing. And then um, I'm sure we'll have a lot of, uh, uh, you know, exciting things in the future, as we always have, um, um, you know, with our uh, with our investment partners and the people that we've that we've brought in to be close to the company. Well, Zach, uh, with that, uh, thank you very much for the time. As we wrap up, I, I want to give you the chance to just offer any parting advice to other founders out there who are trying to build disruptive companies and brands. What advice would you leave them with? Over the last few years, and even before that, I've had a lot of challenges, uh, you know, with, you know, whether it was fundraising or overcoming, uh, you know, uh, in a person or a personnel issue or um, trying to figure out how to, you know, problem solve some challenge. And I remember in my first company, I was really stupid and I would stay up all night and I would drink like a five hour energy at 10 o'clock at night and just try to blast through as much as I could. And then I would sleep for a few hours and then I would go to my day job and then I would do it again that night. And I realized how destructive that is now. I mean, I, I don't get a lot of sleep now still, but I've realized the importance of sleep, especially as a, as a way to reset my body and just kind of get me in the mind state to be able to handle situations. And I wasn't always that smart. I just tried to blast through and, you know, the industry or, you know, the startup community glamorizes this idea of, of you know kind of just like destroying yourself in order you know to create something amazing and while you know there's a lot of things that are unhealthy about the lifestyle of building an early stage company 
I think sleep is something that, you know, you shouldn't sacrifice on sleeping and taking care of yourself while also going as hard and fast as possible is, is, is my advice. And I think you know, anytime I've had a really big challenge that I, I had to sort through, you know, uh, it, just sleeping on it and then waking up the next morning with a fresh mind, it always, uh, you know, you, it always ends up, um, uh, it's much easier to solve when, when that happens. And yeah, I wish I had, you know, someone to, I actually, I did have people tell me that a long time ago and I just never listened to them. If I could say this to my younger self right now, I, I would, t- I would say the same exact thing, which is like, get some sleep, take care of yourself. And, and then, you know, wake up recharged. It's like, it's not worth the, the next hour. I remember last night I, I was writing emails at one o'clock in the morning and my, my eyes were falling asleep as I was writing them. And I was just trying to open my eyes so I could just write a couple more emails before I, I went to, to sleep. And, um, it's just like, you know, when your body's at that place, you just have to like shut down. That is excellent, excellent advice that lots of people should take, me included. So thank you for that. And Zach, thank you in general for taking out the time. I look forward to seeing the company's continued success and watching your next disruption. Well, thank you very much for the opportunity to to share our story and for the candid conversation. And um, yeah, I very much appreciate it and uh, stay in touch. Thank you for listening to Brand New Blueprint. This is a production of Smoketown. Huge thanks to Lisa, our producer, and to Run the Jewels for the Beats. If you have feedback or suggestions, hit us up in the comments, and be sure to check out our next episode.